right, we're on the air. Good to see everyone that's made it out this morning. Uh, yesterday we did have a very nice little uh, parade in town, in our little community. And uh, I will say this, what I love about small town America is that they never allow any occasion to go away without a parade. And uh, there was, in fact, right in front of the apartment building where I, uh, I live now, uh, what was interesting is that um, there was an Air Force guy that, well, matter of fact, three different individuals, one Navy, one Air Force, one Marine, and they all went in in 72 a year before I did. And, uh, you know, as we got to talking, we found out a little bit more about each other and, and what a blessing. And then across the street was someone who uh, had served in the Army. So we were, uh, we, we were well represented by uh, the, the majority of their forces, if you will. We're going to take our Bibles and we're going to return back to the book of Revelation, chapter uh, 12, this beautiful morning. And uh, we're going to uh, try to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, as most of you all know, we had uh, a good time as we started uh, talking about the revealing uh, of Christ and also the revealing of Israel. Now, let me just say this. There was an interesting email that was sent out uh, or on Facebook, I can't remember, by one of their, our dear brothers, Brother David Pittman, who's up around uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, David made this statement. He goes, the anti-Semitism that is out there has led to a lot of problems uh, in the world. And so if you think about it, uh, World War II, Germany went, and they, their final solution in their mind was to get rid of all the Jews. And yet we should have known at that moment that that's not God's plan. That, you know, because God allows something to occur and six million Jews end up dying was not anywhere near the plan that he had for what was going to occur in the world. And the reality is, is that there were many Jews that uh, were able to escape Germany. There were other Jews that left Poland. Uh, they had already been thrust out of Russia. They, and that happened in 1917. There have been literally, uh, everywhere we look at, we just see the, the thrusting out of the Jews. And what I'm so afraid of America is we have been the only nation for the longest time to stand up for Israel. And uh, what I'm seeing now, uh, I remember that when I pastored in Burnside, Kentucky, there was a, a man who was anti-Semitic that was a member of our church. And I loved that man, don't get me wrong, I loved him very much, but again, he was carrying on a, me a mentality that a lot of what the Jews had was uh, an animosity for our country as well, which could be further from the truth. And uh, the reality is, is that uh, he blamed them for all the faults that was going on in America. And what I see a lot of times is when preachers and I mean this with all my heart, preachers of like faith and order, when they begin to uh, say things that they have no real evidence of, but they repeat it, they're carrying on that anti-Semitic vibe. And so I want you to understand this. I have met many Jewish men in my lifetime. I've met many Jewish families. Some of them are kosher Jews. And what I mean by that is they follow the dietary order they follow everything that uh, we enjoy so much about the Jewish religion. Um, but there's also those individuals that they are religious in nature only. And so they want to incorporate their religion. 
and so there are Gentiles who said, I'm Jewish in my faith. Well, you know, you can be Jewish in your faith, but that doesn't make you a Jew. And so the reality is, is that what we're seeing here in Revelation chapter 12, I believe, reveals to us the awakening of the Jews. Let's see if I'm not right in what we see here in Revelation chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. We looked at this last week, and we saw that that was true. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven uh, heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. We're going to be looking at this, this dragon here a little bit more in detail as our day goes on. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Again, this is a full example of only Jesus Christ. And we, we know that this has happened. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath uh, a place prepared of God that they should feed her uh, there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against uh, fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, and was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come the salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he has but a short time. Now again, I want you to take note that there's that word short being used. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he perceived the woman which brought forth the child, man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out his mouth, uh, out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman who went to make war with the remnant of her seed, and kept the commandments of God which have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Again, Father, we want to thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us, and we pray that you will go with us now as we study your word. We do realize, Father, that in every little thing that we have, there's a responsibility. 
I am sure, Lord, that there are those in this world who would like to shut up the, the very statement of the scriptures. And yet, Lord, we who believe, especially of this church, believe that uh, the day is coming when Jesus Christ will be recognized and, re and reverenced as also be revealed unto your people Israel. Lord, we are thankful that we as Gentiles have been able to see Christ for who he is. But Lord, let us be willing to stand up and to tell others of Christ in a powerful way. And Lord, let us overcome the fears that you uh, have already in our hearts, that we might serve you and that we might be the men of God that we should be, men and women of God that we should be. So guide us and bless now and help us in all things, for it's in Christ we pray, and amen. Now, I want, us to, I want us to take a look at Revelation chapter 1, and let's go back there real quickly, and I want us to look at verse 1 as we begin to start this day. Look what it says. The revelation of Jesus Christ, again, this is Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, which God gave unto him to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. I want you to look at that word shortly. And then I want you to come back over and just look at that word shortly, or that he has a short time on this earth that is going to come down. Now, we have looked at that word short. And I want you to understand is that when these things happen, they're going to happen quickly. Now, what's been interesting is I am prejudiced, and I don't mind telling people that. I am prejudiced in my beliefs. I am prejudiced when it comes to the things of God. Because I believe that my God is an all-powerful God. That means that everything that I read from the Bible has a purpose. When I see that it says that there's going to be a, a moving of the children of Israel, and they're going to fly into the desert, or they're going to fly into the wilderness, when I see that there is a great flood that occurs, and that the earth opens up and swallows the water, everything that Satan is going to try to do is going to be thwarted, with the plan of God. And so there's already a plan, and we are given sort of a highlight. Can you imagine being up in heaven and looking down upon the things of the earth going, look at this, look at this over here, look at this over here. We are going to be allowed to recognize some of the things. Whether we're going to be able to see it all or not, I don't know. But the reality is, is that there is already a desire of Satan to destroy us all. I mean, every one of God's creation, he wants to destroy us. So I want us to take a look at what we have here today, and I want us to go back, beginning in verse 1, once again, of Revelation chapter 12, and I want us to see what we see in this dragon. Now, there is a reason that we see this, all right? In verse 3 it says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his tail. I really believe that this is more indicative of the religion that is going to stand behind the service of this dragon. If you will, Brother Joe, go ahead, and I think it's the very next slide. We'll come back to this slide in a moment. Um, but one of the slides that I took a look at, no, there's one more. I think it's one more. No, that's all the way back to the first one. I'm sorry. There were seven hills that I want us to take a look at. Maybe I didn't even put it up there. I meant to. Anyway, there are seven, there are seven hills that are part of Rome. Now, we've got to understand this, that when we take a look at Rome, we, we understand that Rome 
is the hotbed of a lot of religious things that have gone on. Now, understand this. Rome did not start out as a religious hotbed. When, when Paul was taken into Rome, he was taken there because his captivity demanded that he would be taken into Rome. It was already told him of the Lord God through the Holy Spirit that he would have to stand before Caesar and give an account for all the things that was going to happen in his life. So he witnessed to the Romans. He witnessed to Caesar. I personally believe that because his atrocities were not such that caused him to be put to death right away, that he was allowed to leave. When we read that his desire was to go into Spain, I really, went, I really believe he went into Spain. When I believe that his desire was to uh, follow along with Claudian Pudens and go into Wells, I have good reasons for me to believe that he went in there. Let me just say this to you. There is a stone monument that was erected uh, you know, by this church that is in Wells. It's a Baptist church that they believe that they were founded by the Apostle Paul. How many of you all knew that? It is the same church that, came, that uh, started what we now know as the Welsh Tract that was in New Jersey. And so if you go back and read that, they will literally give a claim that the Apostle Paul helped establish that church in Wales. Now, is that far-fetched? They even give you a time and date, which was back in the 500 A.D. Uh, I think it was 500 or 600 A.D. I have that. One of the books that I would recommend that for anybody to read, and this was in Jay Holliday's uh, library, was called The Apostle Paul in Wales. And again, I would recommend that book to you. I have a couple of copies of it as well. And again, uh, as, if we want to pass that around, we can do it and make sure that everybody has it. But the reality is, is that Paul believed that he was a part of what God's plan was to distribute the message. Why wasn't that a part? Or why didn't he record his conversation or anything that went down? Because that was not a part of Scripture. There are some things that we have to take by faith. There are some things that are in the, the shadows of faith that we don't completely comprehend. I love, I think it was Jay Holliday who made the statement that, imagine a long, dark tunnel, and the train enters in on one end of it, and it's the same train that exits it out, out of the other side. We cannot see what's going on inside of that tunnel when we look from just looking at the mountain. But at the same time, we know because of every existence that is there that that train is the same train. Well, understand this. The chain that we have, and I believe in a chain link succession. I believe in church perpetuity. I believe that all of that is there. Whatever is rattled at one end is going to come in all the way to this day as well. And so there's, I have a library full of books, and you know the thing is, is that it takes a lot of research, it takes a lot of pronouncement, if you will, to make sure that we're ready to go. And all there was a desire to destroy who we are. The reason that I believe that we are seeing this image is because this represents the church at Rome ordained of God and allowed of God to bring persecution upon the, uh, the Jews as, as well as the Christians as well. If you don't believe me, let's go back to the book of Daniel. And I want you to see this as well. In the book of Daniel, I want us to go back to chapter 7. And in chapter 7, we see 
the same image that is going to be there. Now I want you to look at this. Let's go down to verse 15 of Daniel chapter 7. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of the body, and in the visions of my head troubled me. In other words, he was still perplexed over the, the, the golden image that, he's, that he had prayed about. God allowed him to see that image, but it would last with him all the days of his life. And I came near unto one of them that stood by me and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts which are four and four kings which shall rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Once again, did you notice that it says the saints of our God? Let's go down to verse 19. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails brass, and, and which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very uh, great things, which looked more stout than his fellows. And I beheld about the same horn, made war with the saints, and prevailed against them, until the ancient days came, and judgment was given to the saints and the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. All right, now let's take a look at this. Once again, in the book of Revelation, what we see here in chapter 12 is this image. Did you notice in the book of Daniel how it says that there are ten horns? There are seven heads. But one head is going to be above all the others. The reality is, is that this is a representation of what I think of as Rome. And there's so many things that are in Rome. And, and Here's the thing, if you ever get a chance, anyone besides myself been to Rome, if you ever go to Rome, just be prepared for all forms of paganism. Be prepared for all sorts of idolatry. Be prepared for all forms of wickedness. And, and, and remember that I, I, the first time that I went to Rome, the thing I wanted to see was all the evidence that the scripture tells me. And as I went through there, I could see all the beautiful paintings, I could see all the relics, I could see everything that was there. In fact, if there's one thing that, that I faced when I was in Europe, was how much relic worship became a substandard, or became a standard, that everyone had to follow after. Do you realize that at, there was a period of time in history that no church was ever built unless they had a relic? They might have a little piece of wood and say, this was of the cross of Calvary. And that became the relic. They said one time that there's so much wood that was left over from the, the cross that it reaches to the moon and back. I don't know. There was, there was one that we went there that had the three nails, supposedly the three nails of Christ, which led to the rust that other churches had. I mean, it was amazing. The thorns of his crown. There's a, there's a church that was built upon that. The robe and the church was built upon that.
yay for technology. But the reality is, is that when we take a look at it, there are so many different things that we see uh, in relic worship and everything else that the Roman Catholics allowed to occur that we should not be amazed. Reality is, is that when you take a look at these different heads, these heads were not necessarily a popery. Now please understand that. These were governmental heads. These were leaders that were there. Quite literally, there were seven primary monarchs, or six primary monarchs, that had ruled over the, uh, the, the, the cities of Rome. And if you take a look at each one of those, they brought persecution in a heavy way. One of the reasons that I think that it is so important for us to know each one of those is because of what we see in the book of Revelation. Let's go to chapter 2 for a moment, and I'll show you what I'm speaking about, and to show you that it's a constant repeat. In verse 10 of, of Revelation chapter 2, and it says, And none of those things which thou shalt suffer, behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried and have tribulation ten days, meaning there's going to be ten different persecutions that are going to occur. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now once again, this was written unto the, the, the church that was uh, literally at Smyrna. But he said, you're going to face these ten persecutions. So this particular one, and if you notice, and, and I, I, I can't imagine which one is going to be the, the, the serpent that is going to come out of it. But the reality is, is that when we take a look at the very last one that Daniel speaks of, there were ten. There were three that were destroyed. Now, once again, and I've got to be careful that I make sure that everything is said correctly, there are so many different people that they want to bring in the, the, the ten common unit or the commonwealth units of uh, Europe. I don't know that that's necessarily true. But one of the things that I will point out, there were ten primarily, primary leaders. One of the things that someone said one time to me was, well, how do, you, how do you bring in the United States into this? Because the United States has been really a, an all-power that has been able to thwart the different commands or the different associations. Well, let me just bring this to you. What if there was no United States? What if the land masses were able to come back together such that the United States was now a part of Europe, or it was scattered abroad as it used to be? What if there is now one solid landmass that would make it a lot easier for people to go from point A to point B? I believe, according to the scripture, that's what's going to happen, and it behooves me to show that to you a little bit later. But the reality is, is that the power of this last king that comes on the throne is going to go beyond what the Roman Catholics can give to him. I believe this is going to be the great monarch of Satanism that's going to really bring it into place, the Antichrist, the one we call the Antichrist. And the way that we can see that is being found where his origination occurred. In verse 3, notice again what it says in Revelation chapter 12, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads, and ten horns, and seven crowns on his head. The ten horns represent ten countries. The seven heads represent ten or seven kingships that remain. But there is one kingship that's going to be there that is going to rule over. 
Now, let me bring this back to you. If you will, go ahead to the very last slide, Brother Joe, and I want you to see what the last slide shows. This is where what we see in Genesis chapter 10 and 11 is going to be so important for us. How many of us have ever seen the image of Nimrod before? And I'm sure you probably have seen Nimrod before. Let's go back here. Hold your place here. And I want us to see what we see according to the scripture. In Genesis chapter 10, there is a brief mention of Nimrod. Now, most of this information I told you that I was going to bring to you comes out of two books. One is called uh, The Two Babylons, and the other one is called Babylon Mystery Religion. Well, after the flood, and I believe it was out of necessity that they found a warmer climate. So when the ark landed on Mount Ariat, we now know that the Ice Age began to encompass. Quite literally, the Ice Age would have to drift backwards a little bit as population increases and other things come into place. But I want you to look at this beginning in verse 6. And the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mazraim, and Put, and Canaan. Now these are all in the what we call the, the Canaanite regions of the world. And the sons of Cush, Shabbat, and Havilah, and Sabta, and Ramah, and Sabtacha, and the sons of Ramah, Sedan, Seba, and Dedan. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. Now I want you to get this. Of all the declarations that we see, only Nimrod is focused upon. The focus upon Cush, you know, giving birth to Nimrod, notice what else it says. And he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, wherefore it is even said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, not with the Lord or of the Lord, but before the Lord. In other words, this great stance that you see in this particular picture is one to where he says, look at the kingdom I've made. How many of you all remember the Nebuchadnezzar claim? Look at this great, this great land that I have made. Is this not Babylon? Is this not great? Look what I've done. And within, before it even exited out of his mouth, he found himself cowering down and being eating grass like an ox in the field. Look what else it says. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. I think there's a purpose for that. Why was the beginning of his name Babel, or why did he begin his kingdom as Babel? And Erech and Chaldea and Kalna in the land of Shinar. And out of that land went forth Asher and built Nineveh and the city Rehoboth and Calah. Let's go down to chapter 11 now. Chapter 11 of the same book of Genesis and look what it says. And the whole earth was one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. Now, again, if we go back to where we just read about Nimrod, notice that it said that he was in the land of Shinar. Interesting, isn't it? The land of Shinar and the building of the ba of Babel shows the connection that we have with Nimrod. Notice again in verse 3, And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city, and a tower, whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make a name, lest we should be scattered from the face of the whole earth. In other words, we're going to build this tower. Now, a lot of people might say, well, how did they know to build this tower? 
they had such sophisticated and wise understanding of things that they could literally build whatever they wanted to build. How many of us realize that? You see, we, ha we are still in this mentality that they were uh, primitive people. They probably surpassed us in knowledge and abilities. There are still stoneworks that are all, we, we still don't even know how Stonehenge was built. We don't even know how certain stones were placed in, in what we call South America. There are things that we're still discovering that we're thinking, how did man do this? And yet they had the technology, they had the ability and everything. Well, this idea of building a tower should not surprise us. Now, everything that I've seen has always been a circular tower. I don't believe it was circular. Because of everything that I've seen, you know, in history beyond that, was always a pyramid style of tower. We call them ziggurats. And if you take a look even, how many of you have seen the pictures of the great uh, pyramids of Giza? How many of you realize that even before the pyramid, those were ziggurats? And then they, they began to smooth down the outside surface so that when you took a look at the outside surface, surface it was smooth. But the reality is there was one thing that, that happened in these towers. When they said they made a name for themselves, their name was not a good name. It was a name of evil. It was a name that where they said, we are of the city of Babel. Do you realize that even now the city of Babel does not have a great name? How many of y'all, uh, years ago they used to have what they called the Rosetta Stone uh, program, you know, if you wanted to learn a new language. Well, Rosetta Stone was brought out by a company, and now they call it Babel. Why do you think they call it that? Because they are trying to thwart the plan of God and bring everything back into place. But I want you to go, I want you to look at this. They could easily, because they had one voice, praise God for all the goodness that he had done. But instead of praising God, we're not going to let God do this to us again. They knew the flood. And the purpose of this great mountain, if you will, of stone that was going to be raised up was in direct defiance to God. How do we know that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's go to chapter 9 of the book of Genesis. And let's go, if you will, down once again, beginning at verse 1. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's the second time the Lord has given such a command. The first time he gave it to Adam and Eve. But now he is telling Noah and his sons, I want you to go forth and to populate the earth and to go ahead and make lives upon this earth. Alright? Notice, And the fear of you and the dread of you shall every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all into your hands they are delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be for me, for you, even as the green herb that have I given you all things. Now once again, let me just say this to you. This was for life. This was for good. And once again, God gave them a command. Do you realize Noah and his sons all God? They are without excuse. They all and they all heard the command of God. So what was the first defiance that occurred? They all... We don't need God. And so instead of going to 
look at this. We got the tropics. We got the warm breezes, just like it was back in the day. And this time, we're going to build a tower that's going to defy God. All right? And notice again, in verse 5, and it says, And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and the hand of man at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. This is the first written command of God where he says, I will now require life for life. If you want to underline that, please do. Because that was not the command. That was not given to Adam and Eve. They had a responsibility to create laws. But they refused to create laws. Verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. In the image of God made he him. Or made man. And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. Now once again, they hear all this command of God. Once again, I want to go back to chapter 11. They were in direct defiance to the plan of God. Everybody see that? They were in defiance to the plan of God. Now, because, they're, when, because of that defiance, they built up this tower. But again, and, and again, this is why it's important for us to read and to be careful what we read, but read those things which are important to us. And one of the reasons that I spent so much time around two Babylons and uh, Babylon mystery religion was because of this tower. How many of you all know that they performed animal sacrifices as well as human sacrifices at the top of these towers? They don't tell you that, do they? It really was not proven to be so until they reached out and they began to find mummified individuals in the land of, of the Aztecs and the Incas, who had also ziggurats. And they would capture an enemy, kill that enemy on top, and mummify that enemy and bury him somewhere in the, in the Peruvian mountains. How many of y'all knew that? Go back and look at it. This is, this is history. It is with us even today. The reality is, is that they were wanting to defy God in such a way that they said, we know your command is saying you're going to take our life, but we're not going to let you do it, God. I told you last week, that, or the week before, that I had a young man that stopped me and said, is it wrong to commit murder? It is always wrong to commit murder. Now, war is a different thing, but it is always wrong to commit murder. But when the government stands behind and says, we're going to murder you because we don't like you, who's going to stand up against the government? That's exactly what was happening here in Genesis chapter 11. And so, in verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. One people. One voice. One nation. And they have one and that they may begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. In other words, this is again the imagination station. Now let me show this to you. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 6, and this time we're going to go down to verse 5, and again we're going to see the word imagination. Look at verse 5. And God saw... of the thoughts of his heart evil continually. How many of you all have connected verse 7 of Genesis chapter 11 
to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It's there. They had already contrived in their heart evil, and it would be against, it would be in direct defiance to God. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence, and upon the face of the earth, and left off the city to build. Therefore, the name of it is called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of the earth. Now, I can teach you all, you know, pretty much in German, but what good is it going to do if I teach you all in German? How many of you all speak German? I could teach you all Spanish. Well, sort of, if I knew Spanish better. But how many of you all can speak Spanish? Some of you can, but that leaves out all the rest. We have been blessed with the language of the English, and it behooves us to really come back into the Word of God and to enjoy it. Now I'm going to, show, I'm going to share something with you that God has laid upon my heart. Do you realize only the King James Bible is what we call free marketplace? There's no copyright on it. Now I understand the notes in the back are copyrighted. So I have a Thompson chain. Those notes are copyrighted. But the Bible in itself, the King James Version, is not copyrighted. But every church that preaches from the ESV, the NIV, the MIC, the KEY, the MOUSA, every one of those are copyrighted. What if those people were suddenly told, you need to stop that right now because you're infringing upon copyrights? Can it happen? You better believe it. Well, we understand it so clearly we're going to have to pay some big bucks now to us in other words, to continue on the preaching. But the reality is, and this is what's so beautiful, God never let it happen. God never let it go. And this is the part that we need to make sure we have a clear understanding on. The thing that we see here was the name that was handed or that was taken on by Nimrod, and his name was called Pontifus Maximus. How many of you knew that? meaning supreme pontiff or the one who reigns in supreme between God and the earth. It's the same title that the Pope carries on his head to this day. It was refused by the Caesars, but when we take a look at the other things that we see here, it was carried on. Now here's the interesting part, and I'm going to show you a couple other things. We practice that, that statement all the time where it comes to uh, the Queen of Heaven and everything. Uh, let's go down, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 44. I'm while you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of an example of what goes on. In Jeremiah chapter 44, Semiramis, who was the mother and the wife of Nimrod, went into hiding. After Nimrod had been killed by, and a lot of people believe that it was Shem that killed him, of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, that it was Shem that killed him and divided his body asunder and literally scattered it throughout the province. The reality is, is that after Nimrod went into, was killed, then Semiramis went into hiding. She came forth after she found out she was pregnant and announced, I am with child and I'm a virgin. Does this sound familiar? She began to call herself the Queen of Heaven. How do I know that? In, in Jeremiah chapter 44, let's go down to verse 17. And we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth uh, forth out of your mouth, to burn incense unto the queen of heaven, 
and to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, and our princes in the cities of Judah, and the streets of Jerusalem, for then had we uh, plenty of victuals and, and, the, uh, and were well, and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, and to pour our drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things, and have been consumed by the sword with the familiar. Do you realize that they were giving credit to a woman a deity, so to speak, who is made into deity, and she came up and uh, she was the one that they were saying, we have always been at peace, we've always had all things well until we stopped serving her. If you want to finish reading it, you can down to verse 25 on today. But her name, Queen of Heaven, continues on to this day. How many of y'all know that the name of Queen of Heaven has been handed down to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And how many of you know she was just made a deity? And how many of you know that she was just determined to be righteous and holy without sin? And guess who did that? The Roman Catholic Church. Interesting, isn't it? By the way, she did have a child. We can read about that child in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8. In Ezekiel chapter 8, we begin to read not only about the Queen of Heaven, but we can also see about her offspring. And uh, Ezekiel chapter 8, let's go down to verse 13, and we can see the name here written for us, okay? And he said unto me, Turn, ye, turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater... It helps if I'm in the right chapter. There we go. Uh, Great, see even great abominations that they do. And he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Who was Tammuz? He was supposedly the reincarnate Nimrod. Isn't it interesting? It's all in place. It takes research. It takes study. Well, our time is now quickly moving on. We better go ahead and close in our word of prayer, and then we'll pick up here next week. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Now go with us, Lord, we pray thee, and guide and bless in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're dismissed.